Hello and welcome to QBD Book Club, the podcast. I'm Victoria Carthew and today a thriller that I think it's fair to say is built from the times that we live in because along with all of the must-haves of a good thriller like murder and missing people and the FBI, we also take a look into the surprisingly dark underworld of social media influencers, true crime podcasts and the rideshare business. Megan Golden has done it again and joins me to talk about dark corners. Let's take a listen. Megan, hello. Welcome back. Thank you so much. Good to talk to you again. Last time we uh, chatted, you had been keeping me awake with your book, Stay Awake. Uh, and this is, I know you tell us at the end of the of the book, this is the second book, the other book that you wrote during the crazy lockdown times. Yeah, I um, I wrote two books during lockdown, which tells you how long it went for. <laughs> and, and both of them were mostly written in my car, which is the only quiet place I could find in the, in the house. So um. So I'm glad to see it come out into the world finally. It's I, I find that fascinating. I know, as you said, it was that it was a long period, but to even turn out two books which are so different in what they are and what they were doing, there was obviously a lot going on in your brain. Uh, I think I probably needed a good outlet, um, but there was a lot going on um, just generally. So um, I'd lock myself up in the car while my kids were homeschooling themselves in the house, and occasionally they'd come and knock on the duck car window <laughs> to ask me to help them with their work. <laughs> So it was a bit crazy, uh, stop, you know, stopping and starting writing constantly. So this is um, this one, you know, obviously quite different from the other lockdown book, which was Stay Awake. Um, we're meeting Rachel again, our true crime podcast podcaster, her, um, a journalist who works in very much in the new medium that we know so much about. When you wrote that first book featuring Rachel, did you always know there'd be more? Did you always sort of plan this long term character? I didn't. I wrote um, the Night Swim, I guess, as a stay as a standalone novel originally, um, and it's sort of told through the eyes of Rachel Crowell, who's a true crime podcaster. But I really liked Rachel, and when I finished the book, I kind of felt like I wanted to sort of see more about her journey, and I wanted her to be, you know, um, get involved in other mysteries and solving other cases. So I kind of had in the back of my mind that I'd like to do something else with her, but I didn't quite know what to do. And I didn't want to just sort of, I didn't want to do a rehash of the night swim. I, I tend when I write, I like to kind of explore different themes and topics. Yeah. So I was waiting for the right story to come to me before I wrote it. And I guess that's an interesting thing, isn't it? Also, is if you haven't met Rachel Crowell before, if you didn't read The Night Swims, you don't need to know her because you introduce her to us and, and her story so well in this because it is very much that kind of individualised stories of what happened at that time. So you can come and read this as a standalone as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You could start Dark, dark Corners and then if you like it, you could go and read The Night Swim and it, there are no spoilers, which, um, which is good. Did you... I guess, grow her in any way? Or did you think, okay, I've got another story for Rachel. What am I going to do with her? And how can I grow her character? Or what was your thinking going into this one? Well, I definitely wanted to grow her character. But um, <clears throat> as it happened with this one, I landed up doing the timelines very close to the night swim. So she's kind of wrapped up the podcast that she did for the night swim, which was a, a rape trial. And um, she's gone home and she's kind of getting back into her regular life. And then she's asked by the FBI to come and talk to a, um, speak to a prisoner who's in a high security prison in Florida. So in terms of sort of character growth, it's not, there's not a big gap between the two stories. Um, but certainly she does grow and her investigation sort of goes in different areas and then she meets somebody. So there's a bit of romance in this novel as well, which is nice. 
Absolutely. So let's set that up. You just mentioned it. She gets the phone call to head down to to Florida. Actually, I don't know that I've ever read anything kind of set in, you're in Daytona Beach, which is a place you hear about, you know, when you watch old like 80s movies and stuff, but um, not somewhere I've seen something like this set. And it makes for a really interesting backdrop because it's quite a beaches and swamps and you know, like it's got a, quite a different sort of um, landscape. But she heads to Daytona and to Florida to to help out the FBI and take us from there when she heads in to meet someone in prison. Yes, yeah, so she they ask her to meet a prisoner who's um <clears throat> he's about to come out of prison. He's finished his term. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um he so he's um he's finished his term in prison, but he um the police suspect that he might have been a serial killer, but they've never been able to prove it. And um they've asked her to speak to him because um a social media influencer who'd met with him a few days earlier has disappeared and they believe that he might he might know what's happened to her. And as happens with missing persons cases, in particularly when somebody sort of disappeared out of nowhere, um, as opposed to run away, um, there's a kind of a clock ticking. They they call it the golden time, where you, they really have to try and find that person within a certain period of time, or they lose the trail. So there's a lot of time pressure for them and for Rachel to try and find out what happened to this missing influencer as quickly as possible. So funny, you know, even when you say that about that golden time, you know, that clock ticking, because this the story delves back to some historical crimes and people going missing, and you really see how much um, the world and the world of investigation and trying to solve crimes has changed because some of those earlier disappearances were not dealt with or managed in a timely manner. And, um, and, and you kind of can see the outcome of that, whereas nowadays policing has come a long way, hasn't it, and they know they've got to get onto these things. They have, and um, I recently read an article um, about the serial killer that they found in Long Island. I can't remember the name of the case, but it's a case that's just sort of broken over the past few weeks. And the article was about the fact that they believe that there are a lot less serial killers around today because the police are able to catch them sooner. Um, because, um, <clears throat> sorry. Um yeah, so I read an article recently. I'll start, I'll start that again. I read an article recently um, about um, police and serial killers. There, there was a recent case in the US in um, Long Island and um, which broke over the past few weeks. And um, and this article talks about that case and, and talks about how there are a lot less serial killer cases now. And the reason is because police have a lot more technology to find criminals and particularly serial serial killers who, you know, are committing crimes multiple times um, using, you know, all sorts of digital technology and so on, um, which is really, really interesting. Embrace, yeah, it is. And you've embraced that in this book. I thought that was great. A lot of writers talk about, or we're finding a lot of books, I know particularly in Australia, set out back where they can manage their crimes and their goings on without, you know, cameras peeking over them or telephones that work. But you've almost done the opposite and embraced it with this, haven't you? Because so much of this book is about the new technology because our missing girl is an influencer and she lives in that very strange world. So the technology is very much a part of this book. Yeah, it is because I think um, it's a re- actually it poses a real um, challenge to writers today to create suspense in a world where there is no suspense because, you know, we know what's happening within minutes. You just look at your phone and, you know, you, you, you've seen your latest email or the news headline. So we live in a world where there's no suspense. And so as a writer, it's really hard to create suspense that's believable. So as you say, you can go two ways with it. You can go and put it in like the, you know, the outback where there's, you know, no mobile phone signals. Um, 
And that's one way of doing it. Or the other way is to embrace it and work within the 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 um confines of the technology, but kind of use the technology to create the suspense, uh, which is what I've done with Dark Corners. Um, because yes, as you say, the book is about um is about influences at the heart of it. And um, and you mentioned rideshare as well. So there is a lot of sort of real life technology and um involved in the storyline. Absolutely. You mentioned you've you've written it um in we it's a couple of stories or viewpoints, but it's written in in those three ways. So we know what Rachel is up to and then we know what we hear from our baddie who's just looming over our shoulder through the whole book. And then you update us with the podcast or the all the updates of you know Rachel's special reports. And it's um it's such a fascinating way to keep us in and keep us hooked because as you're trying to think about what you've just read in that last update, the next bit is happening. So it kind of really propels you forward in the book. Yeah, that's right. I um I really like doing it that way. I mean, some of my books I've written and a lot of thrillers today are sort of written first person, you know, like The Girl and the Train or yeah. two-person narratives. But um, what I like about the Rachel Crowell novels, The Night Swim and Dark Corners, is that there was also a, a podcast chapters written as if it was the podcast. Yeah. And so that kind of, it, I just, I really enjoy writing those chapters. I used to work on radio and I, I just really like that medium. Um, but also it's a, just a really interesting way of telling the story and it kind of breaks up the narrative. And uh, in Dark Corners, I also put in chapters from the perspective of the um of the uh well as you say the baddie who's shadow loser I'm trying not to into what he is but yes, yes. <laughs> the other person who we who we will hear from later on tell me about this world you um I guess Rachel is a different type of journalist you've been a journo you know for many many years as well and this true crime podcasting and, and podcasting itself it has changed the game in a lot of ways hasn't it yeah I mean it hasn't it hasn't I I really love podcasts um, but you know, if you go back to the 1930s, people used to listen to the to the wireless in those days, and it was kind of the same thing. But we just have it um, on demand, and it's on it's digital, and it's on our phone or wherever you land up listening to it. But um, what's great about them is the ability to storytell in in such a kind of a way that kind of it's such an intimate sort of way where you almost feel like the narrator or the person hosting the podcast is sort of sitting with you in your living room chatting with you and I think that's one of the reasons why people really enjoy it because it's sort of you feel this kind of connection with the podcaster um and certainly the character Rachel Kral in some way her podcast is based on the podcast serial or inspired by um and and I really love the way that that podcast was done the kind of the observations and the asides and the crowdsourcing of information and all of that so it, it was kind of fun to create a character like Rachel who kind of um, incorporates all of the great parts of the podcast serial into her own podcast. And I guess as well, it adds a level of humanity to it because you, and particularly if you've got someone who's really good at their job, right? It adds a humanity because you get someone like she talks about caring about the victims and not just the, the killers. Um, but also you don't need that media machine behind you because it is all, there's a lot of independent work. So if you've got someone who's good at it, as Rachel is in this book, you can get a lot done. Yeah, exactly. You can. And and also the crowdsourcing aspect, the the way that you can bring the audience into the sort of the solving of the mystery and either get their insights or sometimes, um, you know, as happened with podcasts in Australia, the Australian did the uh, a really great series as well. 
Um, they got people who lived through that time who called in or who emailed in information that then allowed them to pursue different angles for the podcast. Um, so, and they do good work. There's one um, in the UK called, I think it's called 17 Years, um, about a man who was um, who was um, convicted of rape and served 17 years in prison. And um, they did that podcast, I think, um, a year or so ago. And he's just been... Well, he was actually released. He served his full term, but the the courts in the UK have determined that the that he shouldn't have been convicted. So he's had his conviction removed and his name cleared. Um, and that's you know it might have happened anyway, but I think the podcasts bringing it to people's attention helps. And isn't it interesting because it's kind of like the total contrast to so it's it's real you know it's real stuff and it's real stories in total contrast to the other side of the book which is all the social media influences and the absolute fakedom and the world that is not real at all Rachel is somewhat of a celebrity because of her success as a true crime podcast but no one really knows who she is but she finds herself at this influencer conference you gave us such a great insight into that bizarre world that you know most of us have a social media account but when those those people that are immersed and making a living from it how did you do that research and how did you find out so much about it it was a lot of fun researching it because I'm sort of as kind of confounded about that world as everyone else um so I I I went on to various social media platforms and read blogs and spoke to people and um, all sorts of things, wherever I could get information on it. And, um, yeah, it's, I mean, I just, it's a lot of people making money out of becoming a persona. And when you do that, um, well, you can make a lot of money doing that these days. So it can become a very lucrative profession, but, um, when you're kind of, when it's about yourself, it often becomes a very sort of narcissistic enterprise, or at least it was with the characters in Dark Corners who, um, who are, you know, very, they're sort of competing to become, really to become stars in the social media world and um, they're competing against each other as well. And so they're really willing to expose whatever parts of their life they have to in order to try and get a following because it's all about getting a following and getting likes and shares. You um you also I, I suppose I mean the money surprised me I'm presuming that's fairly accurate right like the types of money they get for different types of endorsements endorsements but also what surprised me and was such an interesting learning is how, how competitive it is like they act collegiate and that they are there's kind of something there but actually it's incredibly competitive. Yeah, because only like with everything, it's a pyramid. Only a few people can be successful at it and um and these particular characters they kind of they're not the kim kardashians of the influencer world yet but they're hoping to be so um they know that only a few of them could ever reach those heights and that's where obviously the big money is the kardashians have built up a billion dollar empire from being um influencers um and then it opens up all sorts of opportunities for you know your own fashion lines and makeup and whatever or else, you know, they end up pursuing shoes, bags. So it's, it can be a very lucrative business. And um, and so it's very competitive. And it's very, um, very clicky is what we kind of learn in the book. And that's what really Rachel's status is in some ways, what gives her an entree into their world. And so she's able to sort of do her own investigating. So it's an interesting way to be able to get in and investigate because you had to find a way in. Yeah, because these are people who are only kind of willing, you know, these characters, they're only willing to talk to people who they think might help them in their careers, which means really other influential people. 
Um, so Rachel kind of gets in, sort of goes undercover in a way into this conference of influences, which is happening uh, in the town of Daytona, which is near where the missing influencer disappeared um, from her camper van. And um, she's trying to kind of get cozy up to these influences to find out if they can give her some leads into the case. We get some um, real preconceived, um, we know that Terence, who's the fellow that's getting out of jail, who, is, who Rachel goes to visit at the very start of the book, we, it's funny how with him and with all of these people, you come into it with a preconceived idea of who they are and what they are and what they may or may not have done. And it kind of it clouds you. You do, you do it so well because it does give you a judgment as you head into the book. And it re, you realise that we all do that, right, in so many ways, Be it, whether you're a policeman or whether you're whoever you are, you have judgments and you make those viewpoints of people, uh, whether they be right or wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, I like to do that, to kind of take people's preconceived notions and um, and play around with it. Um, yeah, absolutely. And certainly he is really a tough, you know, criminal. He's got the tats, he's got the muscles, he's got the attitude, um, and um, he's pretty scary, uh, pretty scary character. You wouldn't want to bump up, you know, you wouldn't, wouldn't want to bump into him in a dark alley at night for sure. But um, there's a lot more complexity to him as well. Absolutely. And uh, tiptoeing lightly through, not spoiling anything, but there is this darkness lurking around the edges when there, you know that there is someone else bad or baddie around the place. I, um, it gave me an insight into the fact that you never quite know who's watching and you never quite know when things could go wrong because it almost seems too easy sometimes the way that um, you can go missing or the way that people can find their way into your lives and again as we said partly because of technology yeah well, technology really does let people into our lives and, and and um I mean aside from I mean I'm constantly I don't know about you but <clears throat> not a day goes by where I'm not attacked by some sort of um, phishing scheme um I mean I've got a lot of people in Nigeria who want me who've you know who are happy to transfer large amounts of money to my bank account on a daily basis oh, yes, yes. <laughs> so so that's one way but of course you know we've got dating apps and um and social media and and you know so many different ways and in most cases I mean there's wonderful things about it too because you get to meet people you'd never get to meet um whether it be relatives or strangers who have you know similar interests and passions and all of that but it also is a, a way for um or I guess people with more predatory intentions to kind of find their way into people's lives and that's why you see so many of these scams and people losing money in scams which is really terrible but, yeah, I mean, there's definitely pros and cons of the whole thing. Well, and we also, um, we've become quite oblivious to a lot of aspects of our life and things we take for granted. So when you're jumping in a car and you're not paying attention to who's driving you or what's going on. So I, I kind of kept thinking about, as I read this, kept thinking about, do I do that? Do I not pay attention? You know, you walk, we sometimes we walk down the street doing this, right? And, um, yeah, when you jump in a car, all the things that you do, that because technology's there and you just take it for granted, you're not as aware of your surroundings anymore. Yeah, I mean, you gave the classic example. I can't tell you how many times I've been I've driven around the suburbs of Melbourne, and people literally cross roads without even turning their heads to look. They just their faces, you know, their eyes are on their phone, and um, they um, actually I'm surprised that yes. more people aren't hit because it just I see it on like a daily basis. But it definitely technology definitely intrudes into our lives in so many different ways. And as I said, I was talking to my son, who's um. He's a uni student, my eldest son. Um, 
I don't know, I can't remember what we were talking about exactly. We we're talking about, I guess, the stresses of modern life. Yeah. And I was telling him how when I was his age, which wasn't that long ago, but it was before, you know, before I mean, when the internet was really just starting out. Um, you know, you didn't we didn't in those days you didn't send I don't it was before emails even really. So that's kind of we're looking at the early nineties here. Um the um, you know, we used to send aerograms. Do you remember that? You'd buy an aerogram and you'd write a letter and you'd send it off and then you'd wait for a few weeks and then you'd get an aerogram back. And um, I mean, I traveled for after uni or kind of my last year of uni and um and so, you know, I'd stay in touch with my family through aerograms. And on the one hand, you're completely out of touch and disconnected. On the other hand, this is kind of, it's nice to be disconnected sometimes yeah. and it gives you room to breathe. And, and also it creates that anticipation where you don't know what's happening every second of the day. There's days or weeks that go by and you have no idea what's happening. Um, yeah, that's so true. And the anticipation I did, I remember having, a, I used to use fax machines a lot and I had a best friend who lived in Canada and I remember I used to run into work in the mornings to see because I'd be the first one in and there'd be 10 pages of handwritten that had come through on the fax machine from her and that was so exciting, whereas now you just send a text or now you just send an email. Um, but, yeah, it's all of those things we now take for granted. Yeah, we do, and it sort of in some ways it takes, I mean, I have friends who are really close friends who they, they will never email or anything because their expectation is that I'm keeping track of their Facebook feeds and so I know what's happening to them uh, yeah, which yeah. is all very well and good but then over time it becomes so impersonal that you almost lose touch with them because you're just one of however many other people who are you know on their Facebook feeds um so um you know technology's brought a lot to our lives but it's also um it has its pitfalls as well yeah. Absolutely. Now, it isn't just Rachel uh, solving the crimes in this book. It is also, of course, the FBI uh, and a very lovely character who, as you mentioned before, there's a little bit of romance. It really adds to it, doesn't it? If we Are we seeing Rachel again in the future? Might we see him again in the future? Or is that secret? Um, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about doing more Rachel Crow novels and I'm definitely thinking of including him in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was kind of fun also because they have a fiery relationship, which is nice too. Um, and um, it was just fun writing those chapters where they kind of, you know, sort of play off each other. Um, so um, it was really good bringing another character into the mix in, in this. And there's a great kind of level of intelligence there. They're both really smart and smart in their own, you know, in their own ways, but it kind of can, it comes together really well to to get us through the story. Can I ask, I know you've had great success overseas. So this one, uh, Dark Corners, is out in the US yet or about to be out in the US as well? It came out um, on Tuesday when it came out in Australia. So, um, and actually in the US it was, um, they have a subscription um, service which is very famous there, which has been around since the 30s called Book of the Month Club. And it was a Book of the Month pick in July. So actually, officially it released on Tuesday, the 8th of August. But in fact, um, Book of the Month members in the US have been able to um, buy it and get their copy um, for the past month. Um, Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, so so I'm getting really great feedback, which is good. And I know that lots of authors are having things optioned or there's, you know, people talk about TVs and movies. Are these, will we be seeing any of your characters on the screen anytime soon? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, at the moment, there's this Hollywood writers' strike, which seems to be open-ended. But um, but yes, I hope so. And um, and my 
you know, the escape room and some of my other books have been optioned and are in development. So, um, so that's exciting. Uh, awesome. I would love to see Rachel on the screen. She's just a really smart, uh, such an interesting character. Megan, congratulations on your second Rachel Crowell novel. Uh, it is just, and as I said, you don't need to have read the first, but you might want to go back and read it after you've read Dark Corners. Congratulations. Uh, look forward to seeing what's next. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for your company today on QBD Book Club, the podcast. We'll chat again soon.